Welcome to the Wellness Liberated Podcast. I'm your host, Annabeth, and I'm here to help you navigate the obstacles of your wellness. I'll be providing insights, trainings, and asking you the hard questions so that you can discover what wellness looks and feels like for you. Hello, hello, welcome to the Wellness Liberated podcast, where apparently we just sing sometimes. Sure, we'll all get used to that. My name's Anna, Anna Beth, and I am the host of this podcast. Now, I am so excited to be here with you just to give you a little bit of information about me, myself. I am a 500 hour registered yoga teacher and I hold a bachelor's degree in nutrition science. So, My formal title is a wellness coach, and as a wellness coach, I draw from both of these skill sets to help my clients. I realized that I have a lot of thoughts, a lot of insights, and that a podcast would probably be one of the best ways for me to be able to share all of those with you. So that is why we're here. So I want to let you know that I am so excited to be here. I am so honored that you have chosen to listen to me for whatever the length of this episode is going to be. So I'd love to just dive right in. Um, My goal for these episodes is to really get down to business, give you things to think about, ask you questions so that you can look a little more deeper into a little more deeper, a little more deeply into your own life and your own behaviors so that you can draw some conclusions for yourself. So I'm not necessarily here to tell you what to do. I'm really just here to be a sort of guide and share with you the things that I know. So without further ado, I don't really have anything to tell you about this episode before we get started. So we can just get started. Sound good? Okay. So I want you to take a moment and think about Over the course of your life, how many times have you tried to implement like a new habit or a new behavior in order to improve your health, whether that be your mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health? Now I want you to think about how many times you've actually tried to implement those habits, those behaviors, and actually been successful. Now, I think that we can agree that if that habit or behavior is on your list of things that you would like to implement to improve your health, then its presence on that list indicates that it hasn't quite made its way into your day-to-day. That habit or behavior hasn't fully integrated because you're still working on it, which is fine. So I want to get real with you for a second. 
and share with you something that I think we all know to be true. We know it in our souls, but sometimes it's nice for somebody else to say it. Long-term change is hard. It's really hard. And why? Why is it so difficult? You know, because we know that integrating new habits and behaviors that are going to support our health is something that we want. We know this. And we know that whatever habits or behaviors or changes we make are ultimately going to lead to us feeling more energized, more fulfilled, and ultimately experience a deeper connection to the version of ourselves that we are growing into. But change is still fucking hard. See, you can't just you can't just do everything at once. You can't just start meditating and eating vegetables and journaling and moving your body and reading a book and cooking and drinking water and getting sufficient sleep like all in the same day. I mean, I'm sure that you've tried and and I wouldn't be surprised if you were successful for like that day. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, but I'm pretty sure that whatever momentum was required for you to do all of those things at once did not last through the end of the week. See, the truth is if you can't if you can't figure out how to make those long-term changes stick, then you're going to have a really really hard time living the life that you imagined for yourself. So I think it's safe to assume that while you aren't completely dissatisfied with where you're at, with your health and what you're doing in life, and honestly, I'm sure you have overcome a lot of obstacles to be here, I can also just assume that you aren't completely satisfied either. So the question that we come to at this juncture is, how do you make long-term changes that ultimately integrate themselves into who you are and how you exist? I would love to talk about this today. So to address this question, in this episode, I am going to start by explaining how to move through perfectionism so that you don't trip at starting line. And yes, I do mean the starting line. Honestly, I think some of you, like, you don't even make it to a, a singular successful day because of some of those perfectionistic tendencies. You know who you are. And from there, once we talk about how to move through perfectionism, we're going to discuss the concept of committing to progress. So if you start, just to give you a little bit of insight into what I mean by this, is if you start talking shit to yourself, right? The moment that you screw up or forget something or overlook something, then truth be told, you, you aren't even allowing yourself to like begin the journey. So we're going to talk about how progress beats perfection every single time. 
And once we move out of that sort of ethereal mental space, I'm going to get into some strategy, some real world strategy for you and teach you about a skill that is going to give you the confidence you need to address like 95% of the hard work uh, when it comes to actually implementing some of these changes. Um, and that is spotting and eliminating obstacles. So let's jump right in. I want to tackle this topic with you um, so that you're able to better navigate what's holding you back and what you can do now to gain traction in this quest to fully implementing and integrating habits and behaviors and changes that are going to lend themselves to your overall health and well-being. So let's go. Okay. So we're starting at moving through perfectionism. Now, <clears throat> I know what you're thinking. Anna, I am not a perfectionist. My friend, my friend, my friend, my friend. Okay. Let's just let's just deal with this. If you spend more time thinking about and planning for a change than it would have taken you to like just actually do the damn thing, you might be a perfectionist. If you find yourself paralyzed at the thought of making a mistake, again, before you've even like done anything, you might be a perfectionist. If you find that you are worried about what other people will think or say or believe about you and that keeps you from doing what feels right for you, you might be a perfectionist. And if you have successfully done something, but after the fact, still think to yourself, wow, that could have just, that could have just been so much better. You might be a perfectionist, okay? Okay, good, got that out of the way. Now, got a little straight up love for you um, because that is a really big thing that I intend to share with all of you, and that is this. You will never be perfect, never. Like you, you will never be so good or so smart, so exceptional or so talented that you will achieve perfection. Never. Now I know that growing up you probably heard the phrase, practice makes perfect, which taught you that if you practiced enough, if you prepared enough, and secretly if you agonized enough, that you would achieve the perfect outcome. And so you probably held on to that really tightly for like a lot of your adolescence. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. And because you lived and died by that, you were praised for all of your effort. You were applauded for this relentless pursuit of just idealism. And you really enjoyed like the clout that that got you, the fact that you were just always so quote unquote perfect. And so that perceived perception 
ended up becoming an integral part of your identity. And so now it's just so deeply rooted there that you aren't even sure what it's like to be valued, to be accepted, to be loved for the person that you are underneath that veil of perfectionism. So let's, let's fast forward into the future, right? Little you, now future you, probably still a millennial, okay? <laughs> you grew up, realized that you needed therapy. <laughs> you all need therapy. In therapy, you uncovered how harmful that phrase, that phrase of practice makes perfect, was or has been to your entire adolescence and how that phrase just echoed in the back of your mind for like your whole academic career, which inevitably bled into every other facet of your life. And finally, after much deconstruction and realizing that that pursuit of perfection was actually the thing that was keeping you from being able to live your life. Your therapist looks at you and provides you with a statement that's significantly more helpful and true. And that statement is, practice makes progress. Practice makes progress. Ah, I've heard this before. Yes. So, hold on to that. Practice makes progress. And the other iconic saying goes, the only way out is through, okay? The only way out of perfectionism is to move through it. And how we move through it is by committing to progress. I wanna let you know that letting go of perfectionism is what is going to open up the door of change for you, okay? So moving through perfectionism means that you're committing to progress. Now, something that you are going to learn to love about me, aside from my mm, quick wit, is the commitment that I have to clarity. And really what I mean is that like, I'm kind of a freak for definitions. I just, <laughs> I think, I think a lot of times we all think we know what something means, uh, but because we all have different like ideas and experiences with what a certain word or phrase means, then we are inevitably operating from different paradigms and nobody wants that. So the definition of progress, what is that? According to Webster, my BFF, my fave appy in my phone, Progress means forward or onward movement toward a destination. So this means then that when we commit to progress, we're actually committing to that forward movement. Okay, okay, I see you, Anna. I see you. So one of the easiest ways to identify perfectionism and when it is rearing its ugly head is to begin to pay attention to the language that you're using. And when I say language, I'm referring to not only the language that might 
come out of your mouth when you're talking to or about yourself. I'm also referring to the language in your mind, like what your self-talk sounds like, okay? And this point is so relevant to the concept of progress. And this is because the language that we use creates our reality. So I know you've heard this one, okay? Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Oh, that's a good one, yeah, 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 okay. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right, is referring to the fact that the language you use creates a reality, right? Whatever reality you paint for yourself with your words is the reality that you will experience. So if you say you can't, okay, you can't. If you say you can, okay, you can. That's that. Now, let's talk about the language as it pertains to perfectionism, okay? So if you use language, whether again, verbally or in your own mind, uh, like words like stupid or lazy or failure, then this is the reality that you're painting, okay? Now, because we haven't practiced listening to ourselves, in this example, I'm gonna pretend that we're listening to a friend. Sometimes it's easier to pick it up when other people do it. So I know that you've all had a friend um, when you're around them and you're having a casual conversation. It's all good. And they're like, oh my God, you know, today I just freaking suck at drinking water. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I think I'm just being really lazy. Last week I was really, really great at it. But today, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of failing, like I'm a failure. Now, doesn't seem like a big deal. Doesn't seem like they're being too cruel or harsh to themselves. But in reality, these are all like very negative words. Failure, lazy, things like that. And truth be told, this is like drinking enough water. That's not what we call like an end-all be-all moment, okay? It's <laughs> why is she being so rude to herself? Why is she saying stuff like that? Well, that's because she is suffering from perfectionism. She doesn't really know that that's what's happening, but that's like the subconscious, right? So this is the negative self-talk. This is the negative reality that we're painting with our language. So what does it look like to create a reality that's based on progress, that's progressive? Well, we need to invite curiosity, okay? Curiosity. So let's say that you meditate for like three days in a row, but then for the next four days, you do not. You forget, you don't do it, you don't feel like doing it, whatever. And then you decide in your head or you say out loud to yourself, you're like, mm, yes, that was awesome that I did that. Man, I wonder why I wasn't able to do those other four days. I wonder what happened, what I was thinking or feeling, right? So, that is what it would sound like for the language, to be a language of curiosity, to be a language that allows you to stay clear-headed and that allows you to pivot, to change, okay? And there is a science to how our language affects our physiology, okay? So, this matters because we can either set ourselves up to 
make a different choice or set ourselves up to stay in a negative mental space or a negative loop, okay? So if you are operating out of perfectionist language, harmful language, you are activating your sympathetic nervous system. And what that means is that your heart rate elevates, you're suddenly just not as easily able to focus or concentrate, and your head gets a little foggy, and then you find yourself stuck in this negative headspace. You can't quite navigate your way out of it, okay? Now, on the other hand, if you are more curious, more inquisitive and, and understanding of yourself, then your nervous system gets to remain in a neutral or even parasympathetic state. So what that means is that you are not changing your physiology in a negative way. So your heart rate, it remains steady. Your mind stays clear. So your capacity to like consider what went well, what didn't, um, to try again from a place of like self-trust and confidence, well, that just, the odds of that increase exponentially whenever you are operating from that progressive language state. So if you've ever wondered like why you are in a panic mode or can't think clearly when you mess something up, it's probably because you're activating that sympathetic nervous system through that negative language that you're using. And subconsciously, it's based on this need for perfection, which is kind of crazy, right? So the point is that if you wanna focus more on progress, focus on paying attention to your language. Notice the words or the phrases that come up when you quote unquote mess up. Are you overcome with curiosity or do you berate yourself without a second thought? See, if you can focus on just extending kindness and understanding toward yourself, this is what is going to allow you to stay in that progress focused state. Now, all of that is just part of the mental battle that you'll be facing when it comes to adopting new habits and changes over the long term. But there is another side to this, another component here that we haven't talked about that can also hold you back from adopting these changes and behaviors. And this is gonna be more on the strategic side of things. And it is eliminating obstacles, baby. This is seriously one of my favorite topics to talk about because in my mind, it's just everywhere. Can't get away from it. So when I refer to eliminating obstacles, this is what I mean. This is learning how to pinpoint the things that hang you up or keep you from taking a step forward and then doing something about it, okay? So just recently, I was on a coaching call with one of my clients and we were talking about journaling because she likes to journal and knows that she needs to journal because it really helps her with her mental health. Um, but when we talked about why she doesn't, she talked about how, well, if she tries to journal, her boyfriend will turn on the TV or there's just like no silence or she can't concentrate. And I was like, well, why don't you go to your room? Genuine question, genuine question, because that's pretty obvious for anybody, right? Go find solitude. She said, well, 
I don't have a desk in my room. And then it became painfully clear. The reason that she doesn't journal is because she doesn't have a surface to write on because she doesn't like writing on her bed because it hurts her neck. And she can't do it on the couch because her boyfriend's there. So, ah, uh, what the heck? The obstacle is interesting here because it's related to something that is absent, okay? And what is absent is a surface to write on. So I mentioned that she could order one of those portable desktops where you like, it's like a little folding table, but then you can write from your bed or from your couch and all of a sudden, boom, obstacle eliminated, eliminated. So let's talk about obstacles that are not related to the absence of something, but to the presence of something, okay? So let's say that you are wanting to eat fruit. We all want to eat fruit. You like berries, you wanna eat berries, strawberries in particular, okay? And on Sunday you go to the store and you buy a ton. You get enough for the whole week because you plan on eating it every single day. But then Friday comes around and they're kind of all just still there. What's the obstacle? It's not you, okay? What's the obstacle? It is the fact that the fruit is not ready to be eaten, okay? It's the presence of the plastic container, the presence of the dirt and debris, okay? To move through this obstacle would require you to take the fruit from not being ready to be eaten to being ready to be eaten, okay? So that would involve like unpacking it, washing it, cutting it up, and then putting it in a container that is easily accessible. So when you get to the middle of the week and you're in a rush and you want fruit, you can just pull it out of the fridge and eat it. No obstacles required. Everything that was required for that fruit to be ready to eat has been addressed, okay? So the process of pinpointing exactly what the obstacle is, this is a skill and it's not always easy, but you can get better at it, okay? So for example, an obstacle to meditation could be the assumption that in order for your meditation to be legitimate, you have to do it first thing in the morning. That's an obstacle, okay? does not have to be early, first thing in the morning. An obstacle to doing movement might be in order for me to build strength, I have to do the same thing every day. No, not true. You can switch it up. An obstacle to nourishing yourself might be, well, I don't have enough time in the middle of the week to like wash and cut up my vegetables, right? Similar to the fruit example. Okay, that's easy to address. So, Pinpointing obstacles requires a level of discernment on your part because you're going to need to spend some time like observing yourself and observing your habits and then getting curious about why exactly you're having a hard time repeating a certain behavior or even adopting the behavior to begin with. So it would also be helpful to you probably to gain some perspective from someone who isn't you. Um, so like a coach or a trusted friend where you could talk about it and they could be able to look at your situation and very easily say, oh, this is the, uh, <laughs> this is the thing that's holding you up. There it is, okay? So while the mental hangups are a huge component, right? That perfectionism, that commitment to progress, there is also this strategic component to the 
pinpointing and removal of obstacles. Now, if you can practice from working from both ends, then you're really setting yourself up for success. So I want to provide you with a little bit of homework if you're into that sort of thing, if you're the type of person who enjoys having action steps. Okay, here's what I got for you. So first, you wanna start paying attention to your language, okay? The words that swirl up in your head or the words that just come straight out your mouth. Notice if they are leading you down a path of progress or if they are holding you back to that concept of perfectionism, okay? And then work to reframe that perfectionistic language if it is present to the language of curiosity. Be more curious about why things aren't working instead of saying that you suck, okay? No. Now, homework for the strategic part. I want you to try and pinpoint at least one obstacle that is holding you back from doing a habit or implementing some sort of change that you want to cultivate. And then I want you to do something about it. That's the real kick, okay? So spoiler alert, there is no perfect solution to eliminating an obstacle. I want you to be open to the possibility that your first try may not be the right one, and that's okay, okay? So just go back to progress, try something else. So that is what I have for you today. I hope this was helpful for you. If you found this episode beneficial and you feel like you want to share it with somebody in your life or your friends, then go ahead and screenshot and post this on Instagram or Facebook and tag me um, so that we can connect. And until next time, remember that wellness is not one size fits all. And the only right version for you is yours. So liberate it. Thank you so much for joining me today and giving yourself this opportunity to get closer to liberating your wellness. If you found this episode beneficial, please go ahead and share it, like it, post it to Instagram and tag me so that we can connect more.